We're getting into the word today. It's my assignment to preach and teach on this subject. Getting back to Judah. Getting back to Judah. Look to your neighbor and say, get back to Judah. Go ahead and practice. Get back to Judah. Getting back to Judah. And we're diving. Uh, we're going to dive in the understanding, church, that within our God-given identity, how many of you guys have enjoyed learning so much about your identity in Christ? Man, it's so important that we continue to understand who God made us to be and who we are in him. That understanding today within our God-given kingdom identity that we must prioritize, we must protect, and always practice. Are you ready? Our praise and worship to the Lord. We must prioritize, we must protect, and we must practice our praise and our worship to the Lord. You see, because I, I need to remind us of something today, and it was interesting the Lord uh, shifted my heart here, and we'll talk about that in a moment, moment, but can I tell you that praise and worship is not an activity. It's not something that you do. It's actually who you are. See, praise and worship is not an activity. It's actually a part of your identity. Did you know that? Let me take you to the word, Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43. Let's go here first. It says this from the word of God. It says, this people I have formed for myself, they shall declare my praise. Now, the message version of this text, I love it. The, the message version says this. It says, a people that have been custom made to praise me. A people that have been custom made to praise me. Can I tell you today why praise and worship is so important? It's not because it's a filler so I can feel good to come up here and speak. It's because that is who we are. Our, part of our identity in the kingdom of God is that we understand that we were made to praise and worship the Lord. Somebody say Amen to praise and worship the Lord. And I've told you before, we love the word, the word is for us, but can I tell you, the worship is for him. The praise is for him. I, can I, I'm, I'm gonna get real plain for a minute. I don't like the places and the cultures where people show up 30 minutes late to church because they say, I don't care about the worship. You wanna know why? Because that's the wrong perspective. We didn't get into the kingdom to be a consumer. We got into the kingdom to be a contributor. And so we have to understand something. You say, well, pastor, does that mean I should get here on time and get into the worship center for worship? Yes, why? Because the worship is for him. God's the only one to be praised. God's the only one deserving to be lifted up. And we should have a mentality and a perspective to say, you know what? I have been made to praise and worship the Lord. And if I don't, what did Jesus say? He said, the rocks will cry out. He said the rocks will cry out. And so understand something today. We have to be people that we recognize part of our identity is about worshiping the Lord. And can I tell you, in this Kairos season that I believe God is putting us in, I believe he is getting the attention of his people about the importance within our identity of our praise and worship for the Lord. Hear me this morning. It is not an accident that the praise and worship of the saints is starting to be attacked and scrutinized. It is not an accident that the praise and worship of the saints, even in this nation, is starting to be attacked and scrutinized. Can I tell you, it's actually intentional, it's only the beginning. It's actually intentional and it's only the beginning. Pastor, why would you say that? Let me tell you why I would say that the worship of the saints is being scrutinized on purpose. It's all because of who we are praising and who we are worshiping. 
It's all because of who we are praising and who we are worshiping. Can I remind you today that Satan and the darkness of this world does not care if people sing and shout praise to the name of Allah. They're not bothered by that. Can I tell you, they're not bothered when people sing praise or shout to Buddha or any other god or idol. But there's something about when the sons and daughters of the Most High God, those that have been washed in the blood of the Lamb, open up their mouths and from their hearts begin to praise and magnify the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Satan and his demons can't stand it. Do you know why they can't stand it? Because they have to bow when the name of Jesus is declared. They can't stand when Praise and worship goes forth. Why? Because it's only in the name of Jesus that demons flee. It's only in the name of Jesus that darkness has to get pushed back and light goes forth and light goes forward. There's something supernatural about the praise and the worship of the saints. And I'm telling you, it doesn't matter what the world says, what they declare. We understand the power of our praise, the power of our worship, and we are committing ourselves in this season to to saying, Lord, we're going to praise, we're going to worship, we're going to get into your presence with the fullness of our heart and out of our lips the goodness of who you are. Why? Because it's a part of our identity in the kingdom of God. We've got to be willing to understand in this season we've got to get back to Judah. We've got to get back to Judah. See why? Because when we praise, God doesn't just show up, but God sits down. Because Psalm 22.3 says that he inhabits the praises of his people. He will sit down in your praise to rule and reign. He will sit down in your praise to rule and reign. And so we see this about, there's something about our praise and our worship. Now let me, I talked about that, let me teach for a little bit today. Uh, Here in about 10 days or so, we're stepping into the month of Av on the Lord's calendar. Now I don't always teach about the Hebraic calendar, but I will tell you something. If you learn anything about the ways and the times and seasons of God, there is so much revelation and power. It sometimes can kind of blow your mind a little bit. But I want to talk a little bit about this because it's, It's really uh, powerful what we're talking about today. Uh, In about 10 days or so in the Lord's calendar, we're seven in the month of Av. Somebody say Av. It's pretty easy. It's just two letters. But it's the month of Av. And I want you to see something. In every month on God's calendar, uh, remember there are 12 tribes of Israel, right? So every month in God's calendar, there is a, 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 an Israelite tribe that is linked to that Hebraic calendar. And in the month of Av, the tribe that's linked to that calendar is the tribe of Simeon. Somebody say Simeon. Simeon. Now, here's what's interesting. Uh, In this month, you find, if you actually find the word Simeon, the Hebrew word for Simeon, um, the root word is shama, which means to hear. It means to hear. Now, here's where it gets deep for a minute. When you go to the book of Joshua, you go to Joshua chapter 19, it's finally when the people of God have crossed over, they have stepped into the land of Canaan, and Joshua is giving allotments of land. He is giving inheritance to every tribe in the nation of Israel. But there's something interesting that happens, and here's what it is. It's that within the allotment of land given to the tribe of Judah, God said, I'm going to put Simeon within Judah. He said, I'm going to give Simeon a piece of land within Judah because the Bible says for the people of Judah it was too much. 
So he says, I'm going to give a, 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 an allotment of land, an inheritance to the tribe of Simeon to live in and settle. And it's actually within what I gave to Judah. Now, and so in Joshua 9, Joshua 19.9, I think you can even see the text on the screen. You can see within the tribe because the tribe of Judah's was too much for them. And so see this, the only tribe to inherit land within another tribe was Simeon. And they inherited within a tribe that was powerful. How many of you guys know Judah was a very powerful tribe? It's still a powerful tribe, but it was, they were a very powerful tribe. Now, here's where, here's where it gets crazy. We all know that the Hebrew word for Judah means what? Praise. We know that Judah means praise. And I told you that the root word of Simeon means to hear. And I believe that there is a powerful and prophetic correlative picture that I need us to see today, and it's, out of, it's this. Out of the midst of Judah comes Simeon. Let me break that down. Out of the midst of your praise comes hearing. Out of the midst of your praise comes hearing. Let me say it one more time. Out of the midst of your praise comes hearing. So prophetically, I want you to see what God does in the month of Av. Out of the midst of your praise comes the ability to hear the voice of God in your life. Out of the midst of your praise comes the ability to hear the voice of God in your life. So out of your praise, God will speak to you. So let me tell you something. How many of you guys can fully understand now why it's important that we live in praise? That we understand our identity is not the activity, but it's praising and worshiping. It's not something we do, but it is who we are. If you believe that, somebody say amen. So let me go further for a few minutes this morning. Because the reality is this, how many of you guys would agree this year's been crazy? And I feel like it's still getting crazy. It's getting weirder and weirder by the day sometimes it feels like. And I know that for so many people in this season, church, and one of those, you, we can be one of those places in our lives where the last few months have felt overwhelming, they felt overbearing. Uh, it's, it's kind of sometimes those times where you feel like you're just living under the heaviness of situations and circumstances and problems. But I'm here today to tell you something, that regardless of how discouraged you might feel, regardless of how distraught or how destitute or even how distracted you might feel, that even today your praise and your worship matters. Your praise and your worship matters. Why? Because when you praise, when you put God on the throne of your life with your praise and your worship, you position yourself to hear what God is saying to you. Could it be that there are so many believers right now that think God is silent simply because they've lost their understanding that they should be praisers and worshipers no matter what? Because if, if out of your praise comes hearing, uh, the ability to hear the voice of God, listen, now is not the time for you to be silent. Now is not the time to keep your worship to yourself. But now is the time you say, Lord, I'm going to praise, I'm going to worship consistently. Why? Because, Lord, when I praise and I worship, God, you speak into my life. You speak into my situation. You speak into my circumstance. And when God speaks, things begin to change. When God speaks, things begin to shift in our lives. So hear me today. There cannot be a substitute for your praise and worship. 
There cannot be a substitute for your praise and your worship. It's the access point to the presence of God. Can I tell you that there are times that your praise is the very password to your miracle? Come on, somebody. Your praise is the very password to your breakthrough. Your praise to, the, to all the Lord is doing and said he would do. If you will commit yourselves to opening up your mouth and opening up your heart and giving God the praise and worship he is worthy of, that's where Psalm 22, 3 really comes to fruition. That God says he would sit enthroned in the middle of the praises of his people. Did you know that when you praise, God's not just sitting within your worship, but he's sitting on the throne of your life. He sits on the throne of your life in those moments of praise and worship. And see, this matters because there are times when we have problems and circumstances. And what happens when we have those seasons of problems? You may even be in that season right now. Can I tell you what our natural inclination is to do? It's to have some pity for ourselves, isn't it? It's to have, it's to have those parties. You know those parties, woe is me, right? Come on where the tiniest violin in the world is playing for you. You know what I'm talking about. Well, I didn't expect the, 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 the year to be this year this way. I didn't expect for the world to take this turn or our country to act this way or my family to act this way or respond this way. But this is why this matters, church. When we are in the middle of those seasons that we don't understand fully, we've got to recognize that even in the middle of our problems, the Bible does not say God will sit down in your problem, but he will sit down in your praise. And if you want to hear God speak, you want to hear the encouragement and the word of the Lord. You can't be silent and sit on your hands, but you have to stand up and say, I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Come on, let's practice. Somebody give the Lord some praise in this house. When you praise and you worship God, you are recognizing that he is the Savior and the Lord of your life. And hear this, you put yourself in right posture and position in his presence. When you praise and worship, you put yourself in position to hear the Lord speak. So hear me when I say this, you will hear God speak when you're in position to listen. Could it be that there are so many people right now that say they love the Lord? They said God's been silent for so long. But it's not God who is not speaking, but it's them who've been out of position. Because they have gotten away from Judah. And God says, I need you to get back to Judah. God says, I need you to get back to a lifestyle of praise and worship. How many of you guys know that praise and worship is not 30 minutes on a Sunday? It's not 15 minutes on a, on a first Wednesday or it's not just a worship night. It is not an activity. It is an identity. It is not an accessory. It is a necessity in our lives. Worship is a necessity. Listen, my wife got me, she got me a watch for our anniversary. Can I tell you, I think it's cool and great, but you know every day I take it off? Because after a while it gets on my nerves. Because I'm hard on my hands, I'm just like, i got to get that thing off. Can I tell you, these are accessories. I can make it without a watch. I can even recognize what time of day it is based on if the sun or moon is outside. But the reality for us this morning is this, is our praise and worship is not something we pick up and put down when we feel like it. Praise and worship is not about how you feel. 
It's not about how good you've been. Praise and worship is recognizing that it is a position of our heart. If we want to hear God clearly on a consistent basis, it's not for us, it's for him. Our willingness to praise and worship the Lord in this season. Listen, it matters. You say, well, pastor, why does it matter? Because if you're not in position to hear what God's saying about your purpose, you're going to miss a window of opportunity that God wanted to use you to do something great in the earth. But you've got to be willing to say, Lord, I commit myself to being a praiser and a worshiper. See, can I tell you and remind you today when we praise, we stop being caught up in problems because we get caught up in his presence. Come on. When we praise and we worship, we stop living under the weight of our situations because we live in the wonder of God's glory. So can I tell you, that means that you really can't pout and praise at the same time. That means that you can't worry and worship at the same time. I'm going to go deeper. That means you can't gossip and praise at the same time. You can't criticize and worship at the same time. Why? Because we even find in the Word that bitter and sweet water don't come out of the same fountain. So if you're going to be the people of God in this season, you're going to step into everything God has for you. You're going to lay down all those things that don't matter. And you're going to lift up your hands and open up your heart and give God the praise that he is worthy of Because he's good, he doesn't fail, he never leaves or abandons, and you can trust him every day that you live. Come on, if you believe that, somebody give God a shout of praise in this house this morning. We were made to praise him, to spend our lives honoring him through our praise and worship. And we were created to have a lifestyle of consistent worship and praise to the Father, Pastor, are you sure? Yes. And I'm so sure. You want to know why? Because I've got Bible to back it up. Are you ready? Let me show it to you. Matthew 6, 9. What did Jesus say when he was teaching his disciples to pray? He said, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Can I tell you, that should let us understand something. If it's happening in heaven, it should be happening on earth as it pertains to the kingdom of God. So let me show you, do you know what's happening in heaven all the time? Worship. Revelation chapter four, John the Revelator, we see something, and God gives him this picture while he's there, where he was caught up in that vision. John 4, 8, verse 11, 8 through 11 says, The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within. And they do not rest night or day, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy of O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. Somebody say amen to the word. But you see a picture in heaven. You see the four living creatures do not rest day or night, but they are praising and worshiping around the throne of God. And can I tell you, if praise and worship is consistently taking place in heaven, can I tell you, it should consistently be taking place in our lives. It should consistently be taking place in our lives, not periodically, but consistently. What does Psalm 34 verse 1 say? Throw it on the screen. Let's see it. I will bless the Lord at all times. 
His praise shall, shall periodically be in my mouth. Circumstantially be in my mouth. Seasonally be in my mouth. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Pastor, this is so simple. That's why the church has got to get a hold of it again. Because it's so simple. He says, I will bless the Lord at all times. Does that mean even in bad times? It doesn't mean just in good times, even in bad times. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Hear me today. The enemy is doing everything he can in this season, and he's even using government now to try to stop the praise of his people. He's even using government authorities to try to tell churches they can no longer gather and praise and worship. If the government thinks that the people of God are worried about a 501c3, they got another thing coming. One of my spiritual fathers, Pastor Jim Rayleigh, I love him. He makes a statement that is powerful. He said, if money will make you talk, it will keep you quiet. And I came today to let you know, this house, we will be a people of praise. We will be a people of worship. Listen to me, listen to me. I honor our government. Please, I'm not trying to badmouth anybody. What I'm telling you is this. If they think for one minute they can stop the praises of the people of God. Listen to me. God's hand is not empty. His arm is not short. God will take care of his people no matter what's happening in the earth. But we must remember in this season, if we want to hear what God is saying, it will be birthed out of our praise and worship unto him. And so we've got to recognize that we will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in our mouths. Somebody say amen. Now let me see, let me tie all this in this morning. Because there was this man in the Old Testament you may have heard of before, his name was David. This man in the Old Testament whose name was David, he was a shepherd, a giant killer. He was a warrior, a king, a man after the heart of God. And can I tell you, even in his life there was a time when he found himself in a place where he was overwhelmed and afraid. There was a season in his life where he found himself in a time where he was overwhelmed and afraid. Guess what? He was discouraged. He was discontent. He was distracted, even like somebody under the sound of my voice or online may be right now. And guess what? He had to get back to a place of praise. He had to get back to a place of praise. Let me show you the text. 1 Samuel chapter 22, verses 1 through 5. It says, David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Agilom. So when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, everyone who was discontented gathered to him. And he became the captain over them. Stop right there. Who wants to live in that? Listen, I bet you they were, they were probably hoarding hand sanitizer and toilet paper in the cave too. He became the captain. He led the charge of pity, of problems, of just being down and out. And notice what happens. And there were about 400 men with him. Look to your neighbor and say, don't go there. Don't be there. Come on, tell him. Say, don't go there. 
But it says, then David went from there to Mizpah of Moab, and he said to the king of Moab, he said, please let my father and mother come here with you till I know what God will do for me. So he brought them before the king of Moab. They dwelt with him all that time that David was in the stronghold. Now notice, David had enough sense to not let his family stay there, but he went back there. Can I tell you, there, there are times that you might have wisdom from other people, but you can't see it for yourself. And then notice what happens. That they, they were there. Go to the next verse on the screen so they can see it. Now the prophet Gad said to David, anybody thankful that God sent Gad? Come on, I bet you say that five times. Now the prophet Gad said to David, he said, do not stay in this stronghold. Depart and go to the land of Judah. Now God sent a prophet to remind a man after his own heart. He said, hey, I know it's been hard. I know it's been frustrating because, see, understand, this is the season where Saul was trying to kill David continuously. That's why David was hiding. He was constantly afraid for his life. And so he went into a cave of discontentment, of disparagement, of, of, of just disappointment and heartache. And the prophet comes to him and says, hey, David, son, you can't stay here. I need you to get back to Judah. That's where you Belong. Look at your neighbor and say, you belong in Judah. Come on, tell him. You belong in Judah. And so the Bible says that David departed and he went there into the forest of Herath. But let me tell you, let me give you a little historical context for a minute before I show you what we're talking about. There is a time, this is a time in David's life where Saul was still the king and he was trying to kill David, even though Saul already knew that David had been anointed to take his throne and his kingdom. Now this was interesting. This was about 10 years after David had killed Goliath. Remember when David killed the giant? I read that story. That's Maddie's favorite story for some reason. She loves to hear when Goliath fell and David chopped his head off. I don't know why. She loves it. So no action movies for Maddie as she gets older. And we see David, a man after God's own heart, a worshiper, a, a praiser if there ever was one. And he's literally right now in this season of his life living in a cave with his family and hundreds of others. And, the, and they were all in distress. They were in debt. They were discontented. And it was accurately described as a stronghold. It was accurately described as a stronghold there. It had become a stronghold in the lives of these hundreds of people. Let me tell you about the cave of Agilom for a minute. Can I tell you, this is a place, church, where faith gave way to fear. This is a place to where, to where trust gave way to turmoil, where destiny gave way to doubt, where praise gave way to pity. He finds himself in that place. See, even more, I can tell you, the common translation of the word agilum in the Hebrew is to retreat. To retreat. And what's amazing about this is we see something that David, the anointed king of Israel, finds himself in the middle of a time of life. Ten years after his greatest triumph, he literally has gone down instead of gone up. He's living in a stronghold of fear and anxiety, discontent and a stress. He was living opposite of the mandate on his life. He was literally afraid of the people that he had been anointed to rule and reign over. He finds himself in such a unique place in this time in his life. 
And can I tell you that his trust in the Lord's word had started to slip away. His praise had vanished. And rather than hearing the voice of God, all he could hear in that cave was the distorted sounds and echoes of the negative, the discontent, and distressed cries of people that were in just as bad or worse spiritual shape than he was. Doesn't sound like a place fit for a king, does it? He finds himself in this place, and David couldn't hear God because his praise was gone. But in the middle of one of his darkest hours in his life, God sent his prophet to shine truth into the heart of David. And he said, David, don't stay in this stronghold. Get out of here. Get back to the land of Judah. Get back to the land of Judah. Get back to who I anointed you to be. Get back to praise. Get back to a place of peace and rest and faith. And can I tell you, I believe there are so many people, even in this room right now, watching online right now, that know exactly how David felt because you find yourself after this season right here in the middle of a spiritual cave. You find yourself in a place where the problems are mounting. The discontent is growing. The distress is getting bigger. The, the fear and anxiety and worry, all of these things are happening right now. And I know this might be a time where you feel like Satan is just trying to wreak havoc in your life. But can I even remind you with some truth today that Satan's desire to destroy the plans of God pale in comparison to the destiny that God still has for your life. Let me say it one more time. Satan's desire to destroy you pales in comparison to the destiny that God has spoken over you. So even though you find yourself right now, you can recognize and you can, you can literally uh, understand where David is, that you find yourself in that cave, in that spiritual place. I believe the word of the Lord for you today is just like Gad was to David. He says, get back to Judah. Get back to a place of praise. I know your problems are real, but can I tell you, your praise will change those problems. I know that situations and circumstances are hard. Things haven't worked out this year the way that you thought they would. But when you get back to Judah, when you get back to a place of praise and worship, all of a sudden the right perspective comes back. And you can say, greater is the God that is in me than the things that are in this world. No matter what I face, who I come up against, if God is for me, who can be against me? Let's be people that live in the land of Judah. Somebody give God praise in the house. Hallelujah. In the midst of your praise, God will speak into your situation. In the midst of your praise, God will speak to your circumstance. Listen to me, just like David, you were not anointed to retreat. You were anointed to rule and reign in the earth as the people of God. But we've got to remember that there's something powerful about our praise. There's something special about our worship. Listen, you were not made to live in a stronghold, but you were made to be set free through the atoning blood of Jesus. What does 2 Corinthians chapter 10 say? It says, for the weapons of our warfare, not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down what? Strongholds. 
That means they're not supposed to hold you. They're not supposed to keep you. But we understand that we can pull them down. We can take anything that exalts itself against the truth of our identity in Christ and we can pull them down and make them be obedient to the truth of God's word in our lives. But it doesn't happen if you stay in Agilom. You gotta get to Judah. The people of God have to be committed during this season to say, we're not just gonna visit Judah, we're gonna live in Judah. We can't, we can't just have a visitation, there needs to be a habitation. We stay there. We live there. And my concern for so many believers in this season is that the only time that we really praise and worship is when we do this right here. Listen to me. It's not an activity. It's our identity. It doesn't matter. You don't have to have somebody up here with music and, and singing for you to be able to praise and worship the Lord. It is an activity that you, alone, you can share alone with God. Listen, even the Lord's Prayer, it actually starts with praise. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's praise. That's worship. And there is no substitute for those things in your lives. In the middle of your problems, start praising. In the middle of the pressure, start praising. In the middle of the persecution, start praising. In the middle of the pain, start praising. Why? Because when you get back into Judah, you're going to begin to hear the word of the Lord again. You're going to begin to hear that encouragement, that empowerment, reminding who you are and what God has called you to, that God's not through with you yet, that your best days are not behind you, but they're still ahead of you. How many of you guys understand that that's what probably was going through David's mind? It had been 10 years since he defeated Goliath. It had been years since God had anointed him as the king of Israel, yet he finds himself in the lowest place of his life, and God has to remind him, get back to Judah to remember who you are. Get back to Judah to remember who I've called you to be. I'm telling you, in this Cairo season, and I've said it before, God is not going to elevate the confused. He's going to elevate the confident, knowing who you are in God. And listen to me, if you're not going to live in Judah, God's not going to be able to use you to the fullest that he liked to. Because you must be a praiser. You must be a worshiper. It's not up to someone else to do it for you. But just like David said, he said, I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. So this morning, if you feel discouraged or distressed, if you feel discontent, can I tell you, even in this moment, you can lift your hands and give God a praise because you know that God's not done with you, that your best days are not behind you, but they're ahead of you, that your most fruitful moments are not yesteryear, but they're still tomorrow, and the promises of God that are still yes and amen over your life. Come on, stand to your feet. I feel the Lord in this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Bless your name, Jesus. Hang on, don't, don't get too big yet. Hang on just for a second. Did you know that David actually wrote a psalm in the cave of Agilom? Psalm 142. Throw that, throw that up there. Go, go to the next one. You can read the whole thing. But he says... Bring my soul out of prison that I may praise your name.
You know what that reminds me of? Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas found themselves in an actual prison. And if you remember the story in Acts 16, something changed that night in that prison. Do you know what it was? The Bible says at midnight, they begin to praise. They begin to worship. And as they begin to sing and magnify the Lord, the Bible says that the chains fell off of them. The Bible says that in that moment, something shifted. And listen, it didn't just free them. The chains fell off everybody in the jail. <laughs> can, I, can I tell you something? Yesterday, as there were 6,000 people lifting up the name of Jesus in our city, it wasn't just for us, but it was for those who were still bound. It wasn't just for us, but it was, Lord, we believe that chains can fall off of this city. God, that every bondage can be broken. God, that supernatural things can happen. Let me tell you why. Because there are times that the world is not affected by your pain, but it can be affected by your pain. Praise. And if you will lift your hands and declare the goodness of God, not just over your life, but over your family, over your city, over your nation, your praise makes a difference. Your praise is a weapon. Your praise is powerful. And if you can get back to Judah, you're going to hear God. You're going to walk in his promises and live in the fullness of who he is. Come on right now, lift your hands. Come on, go ahead and speak some praise. Go ahead and Declare the goodness of God in your life.